Tab Talk begins in three, two, one. Hey guys, it's Colin Landforce, and on this episode of Tab Talk, we're going all over the place as usual. We've got the trillion dollar coin or the hypothetical one. We've got uh, training self-driving cars with a genetic algorithm. We've got knockoff Scotty Cameron putters. We've got the fact that BlackRock owns like half of the country and uh, just as much as all other private equity, venture capital, and hedge funds combined. We've got an incredible penthouse in Manhattan, and finally some good old-fashioned combinable NFTs and NFTs going into the physical world and all the above. Go ahead and hit your subscribe or follow button right now, and we're going to start the show. All right, all right. Back with another episode of Tab Talk. Uh, we have gotten some feedback from the audience, from you know the kind of global listenership who've been kind of coming at us from around the world, you know, Amsterdam, Scotland, Singapore, the Ukraine, Istanbul. Patagonia. You know, Istanbul, shout whole Istanbul gang, Turkey, what was good, was good. Uh, you know, Turkey, yeah. uh, but you know, some of that feedback has been, you know, that it's it's hard to tell some of the the tab talk hosts, particularly James and Colin, apart. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure we could, that we could all introduce ourselves. Uh, you know, and, and what we're going to call a personality check, so people can determine when you're listening who you're really listening to. So if you guys want to kick off uh, and just drop, you know, who you are, and then just you know a little personality check, that'd be great. You know. James, Colin, who wants to go first? I, I'll, I'll I'll do it. This is on the spot. This is James. You can hear it in my 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 gutter raspy New York swag in my voice. I'm a true New Yorker. My whole heart, uh, internet money kid, whole life. Um, I don't know. I'm blowing Orin away with 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 who I am. <laughs> but uh, no, this is my voice. So get used to it. <clears throat> all right, all right. Uh, personality check. Uh, Colin Landforce. Yep. <clears throat> Colin Landforce here. <sighs> <laughs> That, that's it. Yeah, you know, that's that's it. That, that's a good summary. That's, that's it. it. All right, yeah, and, and uh, th- this is Oren, Oren Meets World. Uh, I'm the talent, you know, I know you guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, but I know y'all know that, but I just want to you know, make sure we all got all the voices straight. All right, you know, look, we're, uh, we're ready to go. We've gotten a lot of, you know, again, a lot of positive feedback, a lot of negative feedback, <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, that is what it is. I would just like to say, you know, if you think that, you know, we talk too fast, uh, or, you know, we got too many terms that we're dropping. Yeah, get your bread up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yo, get yeah, that's your bread it. up, it's really, bro. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, there's a, yeah. yeah, bro. I, I, I heard that, um, you know, I heard that that one learning marketplace is going public. I don't know, y'all. I don't know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> it's whatever one I got my Reiki master course on. You know, uh, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Online gurus, offline gurus. You know, we're all here parlaying in public. What's up with this first tab? All right, the first tab's mine. It's this. Uh, this is James. As a reminder, this is the uh, this is Axios.com article, and it's just titled "Trillion Dollar Platinum Coin Could Be Minted at the Last Minute." And so the reason I threw this in here, and we have we're trying to be a little bit more organized. Key points here. My only key point about this article is the good old classic: money is a concept. This is just the epitome of money is a concept. And I want to also for for the global listenership, I want to remind you guys: you can see the tabs in the show notes. So if you if you get lost, like make sure to check out these tabs and go through it. But this is really just an article about conceptually 
Um, I guess this is I'm ignorant to say. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Philip Deal um, is uh, you know former director and uh, director of the United States Mint. He tells Axios. Um, that within hours of the Treasury Secretary's decision to do so, they could print, they could just create a trillion dollar platinum coin, uh, basically to raise the debt ceiling. So I, I just, it is just a reminder to me that well, this is obscene. And this works. Yeah. Th- this works because money is a concept. Because money is literally, literally, literally. a concept. That's, it's so nutty, right? I don't know. It's, it's hard some, to wrap we go, ahead. go ahead, Colin. No, it's some trad, <laughs> trad five bullshit. Like, like literally, the, the, uh, par- pardon me. If your kids are in the car, earmuffs. Uh, <laughs> these assholes are like, well, if we need more, we will just pour the pour the liquid metal into the little mold, <laughs> and then and then we'll have another trill. Like it's cra- this is crazy. I mean, like, yeah, Trump just woke up in a cold sweat somewhere. Like, <laughs> there's a trillion dollar coin. And I don't have <laughs> it. <You> know, but, <laughs> uh, we couldn't. Do that. We didn't just print these. I just yeah, want yeah. so to go along with it. I want to say they have a bullet point or like a bold that says how it works, and it says the mint. The U.S. Mint, which deal ran from 1994 to 2000, already produces a one-ounce Platinum Eagle and has no shortage of Platinum Blanks already in stock. And then producing a trillion-dollar Eagle would require only the denomination to be changed. That literally means all they got to do is change the number that they've add written the com- on the Add co- commas. <laughs> yeah, they, ha- they have the blank coins. It's like, hey, if somebody can scratch some more commas into the mold, we're good to go. That's it. And so That's this crazy. is why I think... You know, this is, I wouldn't say I'm full, I haven't fully fallen off the crypto cliff in in the full, full way, but in many, many ways, I've been aggressively, and I think the three of us are pretty aggressively into the, the, the concepts that come along with cryptocurrencies, partially because of shit like this, you know, excuse my language, it's just sheer absurdity, right? Like, the only thing that backs the U.S. dollar is the might of the U.S. military, to be completely candid, right? Like, the reason the U.S. dollar is worth something is because we got a bunch of, of military, Um so I mean, other than that though, there's nothing behind it. They're literally, literally out loud, just being like, ah, yeah, you know. And, and to give some context, you know, I guess the uh, and look, and this may be my like imperialist uh, you know, educational upbringing, but like <laughs> my general understanding of how money, like the cycle of money to get us to today, was okay. Indigenous peoples had wampum where they would say these feathers stood for something, so that they allow them to better, more efficiently trade, and then everyone agreed. The people in the tribe, or whatever it was, okay, these these feathers are a denominator of money. We have X amount of feathers. We're gonna you know work through this, and then eventually that became the the gold standard or gold back standard. And they said, okay, we, everyone agrees this metal is precious. We have to absorb this much metal to have these many bills. And it's based on some sort of like you know reflection of value. And then at some point in like the '70s or whenever, they said, okay, we're just gonna get rid of that standard. And Rip now it it's then backed by the military. Or whatever. And that's when things really got. It was already conceptual, but it was conceptual, and they kept trying to have some level of attachment to. Okay, either you know the people that made the decision to introduce this concept and and we're going to roll with them or we're backing it by some level of like precious metal and now we just lost all well, connection to anything. Yeah. 100%. And I think that the really the the core of that which's really interesting is that really what you're saying is that money is predicated on like an implicit social social contract, right? That we've all agreed that this money is worth something, right? And so people that don't believe in Bitcoin, you see all the Jamie Dimon stuff recently, right? That should have been a tab. Jamie Dimon saying like, well, who knows? Maybe someone could just, by the way, everyone, Jamie Dimon is the, the CEO of, of JP Morgan Chase, right? So he's saying like- for people that don't know, so JP Morgan Chase is a- <laughs> <laughs> A bank, right? It's a bank. It's a bank. And but he's so like people who, listen to him because he <laughs> because because he like runs the largest bank in the United States, right? But uh, with that said, um, but you know, but he's like, oh well, maybe they can just change how many Bitcoin exists. The reason that I think 
this is interesting is because if enough people believe in Bitcoin, since the, the only way that U.S. dollars work is that enough people on the planet have agreed that U.S. dollars work, right? It's a social contract that we all agree on. Same thing happens with Bitcoin or ETH, like whatever you're using. As long as enough people agree, that doesn't matter what's behind it, right? You just have this implicit social contract that exists. Anyway, I don't really have much other than I think that we all love this concept that money is just a concept, and I thought this was a good... Yeah, I'm, look, I'm just happy we're moving from social contracts to smart contracts. <laughs> and, and so, so, uh, yo, yo I, real quick before we move on here, so... Uh, I think this is kind of scandalous journalism um, because th- this article went a little bit viral, at least I-, I think on Twitter. Sure. And there's no actual substance here, right? Like deal doesn't run the <laughs> treasury. This guy got a quote that says that Philip Deal says within hours of the treasury secretary's decision that this could happen. Like was yeah. he drunk at a bar and said that? Like, yeah, like that, yeah. That, there's that's no... the entire substance. Everything else is just like, yeah, it even says Janet Yellen has no intention of doing it, uh, yeah. but this is presented as if it could happen. So uh, this is kind of journalism in in uh, 2021 at, at its finest, I think. It's fake news. Yeah, yeah, libertarian hive. This yeah. is your moment. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, we're popping another tab. The next tab is mine. This is a uh, self parking car in 500 lines of code. So it's training a car to self park using a genetic algorithm. And so I thought this was really cool because people have a lot of uh, talk about like machine learning and algorithms and whatever, but no one usually dives down a layer deeper. And to me, one of the most interesting algorithms is the genetic algorithm because it's it's an algorithm uh, inspired by the process of natural selection. So concepts like crossover, mutation, selection are represented within the algorithm. And so this is a just a super easy way to kind of uh, get yourself to in it and to understand it. So you can actually go into this, go into the little kind of uh, uh, GUI that they have and um, and train a self-driving car. And so what does it mean by that? Well, there's kind of three segments, like there's muscles and the eyes and the brain, and they all are like sensors inside of this algorithm, and you can kind of apply values to them to do different things. There's X amount of values for those, uh, those, those three concepts, and then when you assign all the values to it, you get 18 numbers, and those numbers form the genome. So it's like a binary genome. Um, that is then kind of used to uh, you know, essentially see if your if your car can park uh, and be able to kind of uh, learn as it goes. And so I don't know, it's a super interesting concept. These are the kind of things we can explore on the internet. Someone's taken the time to go fashion this as a kind of educational tool, and then you can also kind of see, hey, can I do this manually faster than I can train it? And there's kind of just various interactions you can do here to just understand this kind of complex technical concept. And I don't know, a lot of just fun and exciting ideas floating around inside here. If you want to nerd out, I think this is like the best link I've seen in a long time to like understand something that's ridiculously complex. Like th- this is incredible. The, the diagrams, the visuals, <clears throat> this, this like really yeah. makes light work. Code base is all right there. And you, you can kind of use this and apply this, you know, uh, if you are kind of savvy in that nature relatively quickly. So anyway, I just thought that was uh, kind of particularly interesting. So I like, there's a big cliche around AI and, and algorithms that they're all just if, if statements if this, then that, which of course they are. Um, but I think that this, this does a crazy job of illustrating it, right? And I, I've never seen it applied to the, uh, I guess you're calling a genetic algorithm that uses the concept of a muscle. And uh, uh, this is crazy. Yeah. The muscle being an engine in this case, like for the analogy of, of the, the car park. Like, so the uh, engine and brakes, I think it's saying, are the muscle. Yeah, yeah, because you basically take these concepts and then apply it to whatever it is you're kind of uh, 
applying the algorithm to. And then, so you have those same, the, the muscle's eyes, brain concepts, the crossover mutation selection concepts, the genome concept, but it's like within the algorithm, which I think is also interesting in that, you know, hey, we're taking these kind of, these things that have succeeded in the like real physical flesh world and then using them to adapt to like how we're, we're training computers, you know, uh, is a like, I don't know, it's hard for me to tell like, okay, is that something where we actually kind of, this, this interaction between life and machine is valuable or we're just doing it because it's something we understand. Um, you know, yeah, there's, it enters into things that, uh, you know, keep me up at night. I mean, to be honest with you, what I find really fascinating about this is really was, Hey, the whole article is pretty crazy, but I, I, I think that the weird connection we make where we're talking about algorithms that are predicated on sort of our understanding of like the human genome I think it's weird because people find this disconnect between technology and like humanity. And the reality is that when we talk about uh, AI, you said it's if statements, right? I call it conditional logic, right? So it, the, the reality is like, if this, then that, right? I, IFTTT, right? It's conditional I-F-T-T-T, logic. IFTTT, let's go. Um, <laughs> but my point though is that like, I guess when you really think about it, not to get too sort of like, whoa, but when you really think about the human brain and like how it functions, it probably, it really is just a, it, uh, a conditional logic machine, right? Like if this, then that, right? Um, and so it yeah, just until you introduced stone ape theory, and then you know, <laughs> are we going deep? <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, I think I think yeah. uh, almost everything we do and interact with, you know, and and really all algorithms boil down to pretty basic logic like that. Well, but then 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 I don't see why. I mean, then for sure, and I totally agree with this, for sure we're only a matter of time until, uh, you know, e- even without, like, quantum computing, that you could, even just with, like, normal binary, be able to do every single well, thing that a human could do, right? Well, and that's what, that's what like, uh, Google bought this company. I don't know if it's a company. It might be a nonprofit, uh, but Coral. And they make, a, like, a USB thumb drive-sized uh, AI process or machine learning processor. And... All, all this thing can do is just process like millions and millions of, uh, of decisions per second. So all, all it's, when, when you see something that's like doing computer vision, uh, it's a computer that knows what a banana looks like. And when you show it something, it has the ability to check what it's seeing against millions of images per second to then tell you that it's a banana. And it's literally not more complicated than that. Yeah, it's sick. I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm pretty, we, can, we should do a, another tab on sort of like Boyle's Law and like the speed at which technology sort of increases, right? Because I, I think that what we've seen uh, in yeah. our lifetime we're, we're barreling towards a singularity, brother. Let's go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so listen, everyone, I know the plan was to be a little less esoteric and, and, I, know, and I know that this- yeah, well, do, do, you want to break down Boy, do you want to break down Boyle's Law for the people I, that, uh, so that, that don't know? To my understanding, Boyle's Law is this, is this law- basically in in the speed at which we increase technology, right? And it's a real hockey stick curve. And so we've now started to enter this hockey stick. So if you look at the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you look at the speed at which we have like, are improving like chip speed, right? And like the ability to, for for storage, um, it's it's increasing exponentially more quickly with every moment. And so I, I believe this is how it works. And so it was slower and slower, you know, and then all at once. And we've now reached this hockey stick curve. We're already, I think that people don't recognize how far we're going to come in our lifetimes because they compare it to how far we've already come in our lifetimes. But it's exponential growth that happens much, much, much faster as you go along the hockey stick is what I okay, believe. Okay, so I think you're, 
Right. You're talking about Moore's Law, because Boyle's Law is pressure in a gas. Ah, then definitely not. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I haven't heard of this before. Uh, but, yeah, but, but Moore's Law is... Uh, good old is, yeah. so th- th- this is <laughs> But this is fascinating because uh, the... Um, you, because of the speed and capability of computers every couple of years, you know, it kind of enables you know, more and more things, essentially. Um, like, so, like, digital technology increases at an exponential rate. And this also kind of applies to the concept that, like, every, for every iteration that the future is uh, unrecognizable from the past, for every, like, the length of time it takes for someone to have, like, come out of prison or woken up from a coma, and then to be like, this, this world is completely different than the world I saw before keeps getting faster and faster until you basically get to the singularity and that that is like getting faster and faster too. Cause even you think about like, okay, you know, when we were kids, there was no internet to now when we're kids and there's like, people are like FaceTiming on their, on their phones to like the web three, like these things that we couldn't have even like, we couldn't have conceived of web three, you know, five years ago, couldn't have conceived of the hand computer 20 or whatever that is. But like that speed is, uh, it's happening in our lifetime, which is uh, sick. Well, I think have it's important got- a, that you found that. Cause I've literally been saying boils a lot of people for like a fucking decade. So that, I appreciate the, that. <laughs> the, the gift of the tall, handsome man to be able to <laughs> explain the wrong law for years. Yeah. People are like, yeah, Whoa, the, the this- gas and pressure applied to digital technology. <laughs> well, the thing is like, call, he's call, just so like, tall. He couldn't privilege check. Wrong. Right. That I'm walking around being like boils law. And they're like, Oh, that dude's totally right. He knows exactly what he's, what he's, what he's talking about. Privilege. Proof um, <laughs> check. Yeah. Um, that one's not going to be a popular one for. They're, sure. they're obviously not applying Occam's razor, yeah. you know. Certainly, totally, totally not. Um, but here, so let's move on. But I do want to do a tab or deep dive. I think we should start doing some deep dives into like a Moore's law thing because I do. Th- I do think that's absolutely fascinating, uh, and people don't recognize what it really means that the speed at which we're which things are growing. Yo, check out the yeah, book. So we're, we're, check out the book Innovators. It's on the the history of computers and and the internet and uh, a lot of that. Yeah, and that's okay. And that's the next pod. We're gonna go from the invention of the first machine and the industrial revolution, uh, <laughs> like all the way to to Web three. Uh, we're gonna cover it. It's gonna be audiobook format, available exclusively on Audible. It's gonna be done with us. The soundtrack by the guys who did the Bible on Audible. I don't know if you guys heard the Bible on Audible, but like ten out of ten production <laughs> value. And uh, yeah, and it's like it's gonna be our first exclusive to uh, mini disc. Project uh, in, in, in the spirit of Moore's law, it will be 17 seconds long. <laughs> but you'll learn a ton. All right, next one is we got Colin, right? right? Yeah, right, Colin, what yeah. You got? So look, these guys are always bringing their mega nerd tabs to make you guys think they're smart. Uh, so I got to dumb it down for us. Uh, I've got the Kirkland Signature KS1 putter. Let me give backstory. Uh, so my guy Quinn, who some of you may have seen on on Twitter. Uh, he does vending machine and cold calling sales, and that's kind of his shtick. He's a big golfer. I texted Quinn. I was like, Quinn, I got the bug again. I need a new putter. What's the word? And he said, believe it or not, the Kirkland. And I texted my uh, one of my good friends who uh, is also a heavy golfer, and I said, what's up with this Kirkland putter? And he was like, hell yeah, that's the most dad move ever. So the Kirkland Signature KS1 putter is a Costco putter that is a direct ripoff clone of a Scotty Cameron Newport 2, which is like a $400 creme de la creme putter. The Kirkland version, which is dead to rights, the exact same putter, is 150 bucks, and I'm buying it this weekend. And I love this shit. You didn't even buy Let's it Let's go. No. <laughs> no, it's like, yo, it's, it's Costco, so it takes like a week and a half to arrive. So I've been like, ah. Should I go there? Yeah, I, I, I love I like the whole kind of like golf, the whole golf club industry because uh, it, you know I, I do a lot of like 
website references and stuff like that for things hey we're making like I do like mood boards and shit like things you got like send to marketing teams and briefs and that kind of stuff and I love like 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 the Callaway golf website comes up all the time because it's just like such a level of ridiculous you know for that idea that like hey I'm gonna charge you twelve hundred dollars more for this hunk of metal it's like yeah we've 3D rendered this and like twisted around in the most sophisticated fashion and we have like you know fully animated 3D builders for this you know for a five hundred dollar driver you know, where like it was like dynamically populated, you know, e-commerce and shit. It's just I, I love it. So it's very interesting to look at the 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 difference between this Kreklin signature KS1 putter site, like which is the Costco site, and then I typed in <laughs> CallawayGolf.com, a, a bad e-commerce site. Versus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With that said, Costco is like I I know some people that sort of see Costco as like the litmus of like America like doing well. Like this is. Like this is the the way that you track America. Like I also love, yeah, by the way, when, when putter sales are up, you know what I'm saying? Like ETFs should be up. Honestly, uh, that's, yeah. that's well. Here's the thing that yeah. I find really interesting it's about the, this. It's the Costco Golf Index. The, the CGI. <laughs> well, we should license that. <laughs> we should license the index out. Um, I, no, I think that I the reason I think this is cool a, for a couple of reasons. A, it's, I think it's super on brand for Colin to have like found the you know the this version of. I mean, you've definitely seen some of his threads about how to how to source mugs off Alibaba, you know what I mean, and, and, and throw them together. And th- this is really what this is going on here, right? Um, but I also just love it because it's like, yeah, dude, Kirkland is, they got their logo on the bottom. Like, they're still going for their brand equity. They're like, they, they know they got a whole team of dudes. It's just like, oh, dude, I love, I love my Kirkland putters, dude. So I got to yeah. let them know. I, I showed this to my dad, who's my dad, is who got me into golf, you know, 20 years ago. And he was laughing hysterically. He was like, this is the Scotty Cameron. This is ridiculous. This is the Scotty Cameron. It is dead to rights, the Scotty Cameron putter, the same bullet points, all that, like every last little piece of it. And How it's, do you make it's it a, different? Like, I mean, you know, it's not. But it's, well, it, the, the weighting of the titanium in the shaft. No, no. It's the, no, it's the, no, no. It's exactly that was the absolute joke. It's like the 3%, like 3% loft. CNC mill, da da da. The, the weights are the same. The replaceable pieces are like, it's, it's. It's Kirkland. And, it's and, what and, Costco I, and I would believe it too, because we have the because uh, from from all rights, what I've heard is that Colin's like a ringer at golf, which is I think great for like especially someone in like our age bracket. For you to, like show up with the dude to the golf, we go with the older guys, and you got that one guy who's like sneakily really good and just doesn't like look oh. or seem like it. You know, and he pops up there, and then also he comes out and he's like pulls the Kirkland signature yeah, exactly like, club out <laughs> exactly. the back. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And they're, they're all like That's super <laughs> look at this guy. It's just like pop, pop. I also yeah. respect because it's the classic niche when I think about like internet niches. Golf is the classic, like, they have money. Like, this is an industry where people have money and they spend money. So I love that Kirkland's out here being a more approachable golf club for people. Also, just real quick, shout out to my friend Jack, whose name is James Andrew Cameron Kirkland from the Kirkland family. And I just thought, when I remember we were, like, 16, and I really, like, clicked for me that that's why his name was Jack. Um, so anyway, that's my just my unuseful addition to. Yeah. But shout out Jack James Kirkland. Andrew Cameron Kirkland. It's got a ring to it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? It does. Spe- speaking of shout outs, when I was like 12 or 13, my dad was like, "Look, you don't have to golf, but you have to learn to golf because when you're older, you're going to be really glad you did." He shout out right. to you, dude. Right. My mom told me when yeah, I was you- a kid, "You got to learn tennis or golf," and I didn't fucking neither. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm assuming you chose tennis. 
I did like a little thing at tennis, like at camp randomly, but her point was this. Her point was like, you're going to be playing in circles of people at some point in yeah. your life in which you either need to be able to play around a tennis or play around a golf with someone. And sadly, I can't do either. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so I think this, this leads us to our newest segment, which is privilege check. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is where we go over. We're all going to show the, uh, our parents, uh, W9s from, uh, the, the period of three or five years between which we were born and just, uh, yeah. And understand why <laughs> and they then judge success us. from there. Yeah. 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 How many uh, how many uh, master's degrees are in your guys' lineage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not yeah, do any, that any road scholars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's dad's a road scholar, and she loves to flex it. I, I would too. Yeah. Both, both my sisters like, are in sick. Mensa, and that's like that's their flex on me like all the time. Like they get like all these like, they go to, like Mensa meetups and stuff like that, and I'm just like, yeah. oh, and they're like, oh, you you could come, but, <laughs> but you have an IQ. To, to be, I could bring you as a guest. We get once a year, we get one plus one for a normie. Uh, and uh, for, yeah, for, for those of you guys that don't know what you, uh, Mensa is, it's the men's euphoric uh, neuro, neurotropic <laughs> sensation uh, algorithm. It's a, it's a it's technically also a genetic algorithm. Uh, what does Mensa stand for? Mensa stands for... No, this can't be real. That's yeah. <laughs> all, right, all right, what's what's the next tab? What's the next, next tab? tab? I'm, next I'm being tab. fooled by the by the onion tab again. All right. Uh, oh, BlackRock. Yeah, my yeah. tab. So this is a tweet from from a gentleman. I'm, I don't want to like butcher his name. You guys can see it. It's probably like Meng Zi Lu. Um, anyway, he some cultural sensitivity. Here. <laughs> yeah, sorry. My, I think my that's probably right. Here. He's a builder. I, I gotta hit him with a follow. Hit him with it, dude. He's he definitely is building shit. Um. He just tweeted what looks like a slide from, I don't know, some white paper that a, that a Deloitte or an Accenture or McKinsey would have put together. Oh, it's actually from the Financial Times. It says it. So here's from the Financial Times. And there's a chart that shows the AUM, AUM being assets under management um, uh, of BlackRock, which is a, a financial institution that does a whole bunch of different stuff, um, versus the entire hedge fund industry, the entire private equity and venture capital industry. And what you'll see is if you look at this chart, is that basically ever since twenty since two thousand nine, uh, BlackRock has just been on a real tear, and just as everything grows, and it says the AUM of BlackRock by the end of twenty twenty is roughly equivalent to the entire global hedge fund, private equity, and venture capital industries combined, and so I just find that mind boggling. First of all. Um, well, and, and they've been making this ascension, like largely based on single family homes, right? Yes. They've been like, hey, you know what? Yeah. Guess what? The real estate market is outperforming everything else. We're just going to buy all this real estate and make these poor saps pay us for it. I love, and it's and it's one of, and it's you corner the market. Well, luckily, the I think the global real estate market is, is like a like a hundred trillion dollar market. I think it's massive, right? It's sort of the largest market that exists in the world. But they have been in the U.S. just buying up, uh, and I only know because uh, Bitcoin's a trillion dollar market, bond markets, whatever, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, I think it really has been this. On flex. they've been on a tear. Flex. They've been on a tear of just <laughs> buying up single family homes. Um, and anyway, I just think it starts to open. And trust me, like a, a, any of you that know me, know that I am fully pro capitalism in every single regard. Yeah, team but, team BlackRock. Uh, <laughs> shout out the gang. Team BlackRock. You know, shout out to all our overlords that will own our lives in the future. But no, all, in all seriousness, the question is for me as someone who like is a staunch capitalist. Is like what? When does it become too far? When when BlackRock just like owns every single family home in the United States, or is you know, is there a point in which you need government intervention? Um, uh, and I don't well, know. And, and actually, and that's and not to uh, tie this back to crypto, like everything, but I do think that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. Like I think about this a lot when you look at you know like banks reporting earnings statements and things like that. Where I'm like, okay, so I, I remember vividly when I. Uh, 
went to college and I had like, I had, you know, uh, flex like $10,000 in student loans or flex. something like that. Flex. Arizona State <laughs> flex. Uh, and, and I remember I went to the, like the open a checking account, you know, at, at the college and it was like, Hey, they have CDs. You can hold something in your, in the CD for six months and you get 3% interest. And I was like, Oh, well I, I'm just going to put my second semester of student loans into this and I'm going to get 3% between now and then and I'll make $150 or whatever the end of the being. It was nothing crazy. But I was like stoked on it. I'm like, all right, 3%, like whatever. Like that's, I don't know anything. I'm 18, whatever. But then, and then now I look at like, you can't, you know, your checking account, your savings account, your, your Marcus CD, shout out Marcus, uh, sponsor for a sponsor in the pod. Great to have Goldman, the family kind of involved in this. Uh, if you are a millennial and you're looking to open a checking account, use Marcus. All right, back to the pod. Uh, but you can go and you're, you're looking at that. You're getting like what? A fraction of a percent at best. Uh, nothing. And then you look at these guys reporting just massive earnings and being like, well, we don't, you know, like, you know, like they could be still giving here's, you whatever you want in your checking account or not. Well, you know, that's the, why people want crypto. Well, here's the thing that people don't re- re- like that people don't recognize about those interest rates, right? That what you're getting is really predicated on the Fed rate, right? So when the Fed, and, and this is why equities markets are ripping so much, right? Because as the interest rates so low right now, that or not the only reason, but people just put these big funds and institutions are throwing capital into equities, right? Um, as opposed to like into savings, right? Um, and because even if you're rolling over T bills, which I think is what a lot of really wealthy people are doing, they're you know buying treasury bills or getting one percent or whatever or less now um but that's they're they're fully 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 correlated uh those things and i do think it's interesting to think about how low like what is my incentive to store my money with you i had an account i had to close in new york before i came out here and it was the account i built that i uh, opened with td for the house i flipped last year and i'd taken all the money out except for like 300 bucks and then I walk into the account. I was like, I gotta close this. I gotta close this because it's thirty dollars a month to maintain it. I go into the, I go, yeah, I go into the bank account and the guy into the bank and the guy's like, oh well, like you need to bring the balance up to close the account. I was like, excuse me for what? <laughs> and he was like, oh well, it's overdrawn and there's overdraft fees now. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> hold on. So my account got overdrawn because of maintenance fees for them keeping my money. And then they hit me with overdraft fees from them overdrawing it for keeping my money. And then I had to pay them to close the account. And when all, you know, this, this, we can do a whole nother one on why I think overdraft fees are the most evil thing on the planet. Like they only hit poor people, right? Um, but it was just fascinating to me that I'm, the bank is, I'm giving the bank my money. They then use my money to make money and then want to have the audacity to charge me money. For me giving and, them and my money. While they're making and reporting massive amounts to get and give the shareholders benefit, when really all a normal person wants is cool. If I have $6,000 in your emergency fund or in your savings or in whatever it is, you just want to make 5% interest on this shit. That's like what <laughs> most humans want. They just don't want it to be like, I'm getting no value. I'm not even catching up with inflation on this. I got to put it in the market. I understand the market. I mean, just kind of an average human being who has, you know, four figures to five figures in some level of savings sure. or checking or whatever I, it is. And, uh, and that's why crypto, like, yo, I can go get Tezos right now on Coinbase with a 4.6% fucking <laughs> APY or whatever, or go yield farm, you know, and get to kind of whatever. That's why people are so interested in it, so desperate in it, is there's like no TradFi option that isn't just blatantly taking advantage of you. Yeah, 100%. Do you- do you guys really think that like average, average person with a bank account with not that much money in it is aware that there's that they're earning interest on that money? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think there's, well, they are or hoping they could earn other. I think that's how you get like, into crypto. I think we, we see this a lot. There's a lot of guys who are, they have $3,000 and it is all in whatever this is. You, now, there may not be plenty but, of average people who don't understand any of that, but if they had the option to get interest, they definitely would. And anyone who has more than $40,000 definitely does. Anyone who has a retirement account or any of that, like any yeah. kind of employee has 100% knowledge just, of that. I, I saw an infographic recently of like the average net worth of like age bands, like every five years. <laughs> Which, which was like alarming, Terrible. and I just think that like, according to that, I doubt that many people under thirty-five realize that there's interest to be earned on their money. I think also, it, I do think we are becoming, and this is more of like a statement on sort of how like information and education is happening. I think that our generation is starting to be more aware of that kind of stuff, and then you've got another like my ex. She's super like I have nothing but love for her. That's not me knocking her, but I remember she would come home and be like, "Oh my god!" Like I just checked my four hundred one k. Like I've got. Blankety blank in it. And she was just fully just like checked out to the fact that there was just like six figures sitting. I mean, she knew that like they were withdrawing from her uh, from her paycheck. Right. But she was just so like blissfully unaware of of like where it was being invested, how it was being invested, how much she was earning. on it. So I do think I, I think it's some people are aware um, I think that the younger tech-savvy generation, like we're seeing in the crypto space, is starting to become more aware. But I think a lot of the elderly people have no well, clue I, I think, about it. I, I just because I think that there's a whole generation of like people who who need money or who live paycheck to paycheck or who are trying to save to pay bills or save for their kids to go to college or whatever are like extremely conscious of it. And they're like, oh, like this overdraft fee or this five percent on this or sure. oh, this my MY five twenty nine getting eleven percent versus fifteen percent is going to lead, lead to why I think there's a lot of people who are really have to plan across all of that, and then who are also somewhat risk adverse because of the you know important nature of that. So the market may not be as attractive, and there's just no option for them. Well, to your point, the thing is at five percent, even even people like me, right? Like there's like large parts. And I think of myself as being pr pretty ready for risk. I'm ready to ride, baby. You know what I mean? But in general, <laughs> yeah, I would do, <laughs> let's go. But even with me at 5%, I'm definitely allocating part of my capital to, I mean, we're talking about FDIC insured 5%, like full on. Yeah, yeah guaranteed. Yeah. Go, yeah. At that number, it's 100%. Like, well, yeah. Let's do it. And so to your point, like maybe there is, well, and this is why, this is why the rise of DeFi banks comes. don't find it in their interest. They find it in their interest to, you know, print more bonus money, but not to have, to have like any single product that's actually going to like incentivize uh, any person that has money with them to like want to stay with them. Cause they're like, yeah, those poor, poor saps are going to just stay with us anyway, but we don't need to give them anything. But if they had a three and a half percent thing, it would be like, people will flock to it. You yeah. Know? The, the, so, that was Marcus when it came out. So much of the, so much of the like web three and crypto buzz is basically people being excited about interacting with the financial system. Uh, and it, that, that's actually a really interesting point because, uh, all of those same people have been interacting with this archaic old one forever. And all you had to do is change the rules a little bit to get all these people super excited about it. Yeah. And you probably like, didn't have any to, hint of yeah, value. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. all it really was. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You probably like they probably you probably didn't have to completely turn it up upside down like like what has happened. Just just like a sliver of, of value and in, in something interesting probably would have had a similar effect. And so that's why I'm encouraging everyone, if you haven't read the Bitcoin white paper, um, it's a tab that's permanently open on my phone. Uh, I would suggest to kind of make it the same there. You read and it every just, night, right? Before you go to sleep? Uh, you know, but I do consult it much like the, uh, the 48 laws of power. And I do consult it and, kind of multiple yeah. times a week. Yeah. And ops <laughs> yeah. goes away. Yeah. Same, same thing. Uh, yeah. That, that one I just got tattooed. That's all. That's a different story. Cool. cool. All right. What's, uh, what's the next tab? All right. Is this, is this me again? Yeah. All right. Cool. I think we're a little out of order, but let's run with it. So. Headline is 555 West End Avenue, the Solarium. Solarium? Uh, this is a converted gymnasium in Manhattan uh, into a 
a penthouse loft that is absolutely stunningly beautiful. And uh, I brought it as a tab because I secretly love industrial commercial space that is reinvented and converted into living space. And I don't know where I saw this, but I just think it's incredible. It's a it's a gym. So this this school, this former school, was converted into an apartment building. This uh, this residence uh, was the gym, and so like the living room is like this big arched room that was literally you know probably a basketball court or something. And there's just an incredible space. You guys probably know a lot more about the uh, completely outrageous Manhattan converted uh, loft scene, but uh, I, 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 I love this. Oh. It was like an East Coast thing too. I remember I was in uh, I was in Philly like you know 15 years ago or something like that. And the Mad Decent, the record label, like Diplo's record label, sure. they had an office slash studio in like a mausoleum in Philly. I remember going to this thing and I was like, "This is amazing!" <laughs> like they've just converted this. Like it was so sick. I I like I'm obsessed with that kind of thing. I think uh, I hopefully have some real estate in my future because I just like this. It's just the coolest thing ever. Like like old industrial, uh, also or, old churches. Uh, converted yeah, yeah, into yeah. new uses. So Portland dope. guy obsessed with like really sick it. old industrial space. I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Let me tell you. A, sorry, should I go for it? No. So there's a there's a company in the Northwest called McMinimins, and they have like probably a hundred properties now. Sponsor the pod. Uh, yeah, sponsor <laughs> the pod. Uh, Edgefield, your destination for summer events. Um, so they they've bought all kinds of spaces all over the Northwest um, and turned them into bars and restaurants and venues. Uh, one of them that I went to a, a wedding at quite a while ago was a, a uh, commune and mental hospital over the years that they converted into like a fucking a spa and a concert venue with bars. And it's like you go to the place and you can stay in the hotel and there's like seven restaurants on the grounds. And it's like a whole little community that they've converted out of like literally like a, an ins, like an insane asylum or something like that. That was then that was then a commune in the forties and da, da 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 da. But I love I love converted repurposed uh, real estate. I, I do feel like communes are coming back. <laughs> you know, uh, the tap talk commune and, yeah. will be. Well, I think that's what's going to happen to all these like abandoned commercial real estate centers is uh, like inevitably become communes. Yeah, the malls. So, so the reason sure. the reason I think this is really cool and actually I hadn't even opened this tab till just now. But so, like, interestingly, this is, like, literally two blocks from where my mom still lives and, and I grew up, my, where I lived for Flex. the first 20 years of my life. Well, Flex. what's interesting about that, right, <laughs> is so I grew up 83rd and Broadway. My mom is still there today. I'm not going to say the building number because I'm not trying to have people go find my mom. But what I will say, though, is that, like, this is – my mom has lived there. She lives uh, – shout out to my mom. She listens to this. Shout out, mom. You're the best. But she has a great deal on a rent-controlled apartment that she's lived in for like 50 years, right? So she pays like an obscenely low amount of money for that neighborhood because so after World War II, the GI Bill came out and as part of the GI Bill was the creation of rent control, if I remember correctly. And so it meant that you can't raise rents uh, in certain buildings over a certain amount every year. Different than rent stabilized rent control. So my mom lives in this beautiful, beautiful doorman, two-bedroom, doorman building, two-bedroom apartment on 83rd and Broadway right in the neighborhood. And she'll tell you that when she lived, that's 87th and West End, so like five blocks from where I grew up. Um, she'll tell you that when she first moved to that neighborhood uh, f- 45 years ago, like not even like forever, forever ago, it was all boarded up and halfway houses and, and people shooting up. And that's why she didn't buy an apartment because it was the hood, you know? And just in, and I'm 33, I can tell you that when I go back home, 
the way that the, the late 80s, early 90s of, of that area to now, the fact that that's for $18 million, that apartment, it's an $18 million apartment. By the way, to own that apartment, it's also $9,900 in taxes. <laughs> in, in property tax. <laughs> in property yeah. tax each month combined. And then you have another $5,400 in what I'm assuming you're going to just be building like maintenance. HOA. Yeah, HOA. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're, you're at 15, so you're at 16,000. Well, yeah, and, and that's, 16, and that's what they don't, they don't tell you about like, yeah, New York. <laughs> it's like, it's not, not only that, but then there's like, and then even if you buy into buildings, there's like fees to, to the building to sell your unit in the building. There's uh, like, and if New York is just a It's racket. crazy. If I you're in a, this is 3,000, this is, this is 3,300 square feet, which is, I think roughly the size of my house. Flex. It's eighteen million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eighteen. So it's nutty. It's eighteen million dollars. It's also then the carrying costs are twenty thousand dollars, two hundred thousand dollars a year just to own it, like without even staffing it, electricity. Well, I guess it's not too much staffing, but you get my point, right? It's just sort of it's obscene, and then no it probably staff. is to Oren's point. If it's a co-op, which I'm sure it is, if it's in this big building, then there are probably weird law. You probably don't even own the actual unit. The way co-ops work is you own a share of the building. And then that share of equity in the company that owns the building corresponds to letting you live in a unit in the building. And then you have, you're not like, it's just like NFTs and floors. Before, just to transition, I don't want to fully, Ooh. but you're not allowed to sell below a certain price. And if you do, you pay part of that sale price to the co-op board. Right, so they create this. Oh, that's that's a royalty, boys. That's a royalty. That's, they, they, that's how they keep that's the like floor. A, that, wait, that's wait, like wait, the reverse. Wait, wait, wait. That's like the reverse royalty. I've seen. There's a project with those mechanics where if you <laughs> if you sell below the floor, you have to pay out a fee to the other holder. Yeah, that's I've it, seen that. the exact yeah, yeah. same guys, concept. Guys, are, are we about to do co-op arbitrage? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I love this kind of stuff. I, we should do more kind of just like crazy cool real estate things like this. And this is. Uh, it's in a beautiful neighborhood. It's great. I, I will shout out that this is a beautiful Sotheby's landing page. You know, really ten out of ten real estate listing. Yeah, the, uh, the the cookies consent is really clean. Really, yeah. Right the the colors, the gold and blue. Let me ask yeah. you guys: Was it I, one I, of you? I that, no more. Well, was it one of you that told me this? But like, or someone said, uh, maybe it's this, this guy Taylor. No, said something where it's just like, um, oh yeah, he was just talking about selling his house, three million dollar house. Sotheby's was like for the like the head of marketing for Sotheby's wherever it was, was like sent him an email was like excellent so we're gonna like you know run marketing campaign and here's the budget and here's what's gonna happen and it was like three hundred dollars just full like just broad like advertising I, for his three million dollar house I think I think I saw that on Twitter yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so guys James if you if James ever liked one of your tweets he thinks you're friends. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, so my, my friend told me about this. He's a friend on Twitter Dude, who tweeted hope, this thing that I was hope, telling many people, but I, I felt it was to me. No, I hope my, my ex is listening to this because that was her biggest pet peeve about me. She'd be like, those are not your friends. I do, not about Twitter, but in people like because I worked like, in my life. You're podcasting with these friends right now. I'm podcasting <laughs> with these friends right now, babe. I'm on the phone with them. We're, we're alone, <laughs> Mom. We're real friends. Yeah, not one of them is in the Baltics. <laughs> yeah, with that said, we all laugh about that, but bo both your wives, when they like met me or I haven't met Colin's wife in person but like we're just in, like on uh, on Zoom she's like so this is your best friend is this <laughs> these are your internet friends uh, yeah. so anyway yeah I got a lot of friends uh, wow what, what's this, this this took a dark turn but yeah, well, yeah let's, no. let's okay. keep descending into 
crypto <laughs> NFT land, shall we? Yeah. What's uh, next? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess before we uh, before we really go in, I think we need to hit, hit one of our new segments, which is floor check. <laughs> floor check. Where's the <laughs> floor? <laughs> so this is we are going to do. This is an NFT floor check. We're going to go back to one of the NFTs that we've discussed before and see what's happening on the floor. And so I think this one uh, we're going to go to James Stamis. Yes. Let me what, tell you what, what was the floor last time? The previous time that we can't. So when I copped it, when I copped, when I bought, it was two point eight eight. How do you it spell was this? How do you spell it's, it's, Stamis? It's Matisse respelled. It's Matisse just rearranged? Yeah, it's, a, it's an anagram. It's an anagram like a oh, damn... you don't know... You, you don't, don't know, know how to spell Matisse yeah. to start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you read any Dan Brown books, like the Da Vinci Code? It's a, it's, it's sort of that style. It's like... It's, uh, it's like an infinite jest kind of... S-T-A-M-I-S-S-E, I think. Yes. Two S's. Anyway, so when I scooped it... It was a an aggressive two point eight eight ETH floor. It was a it was a big decision that was made at the at the James <laughs> Camp household, which is just a household of one of one. Luckily, because yeah. otherwise, if I had a significant other right now, she'd probably rip me apart. Um, but a two point eight eight ETH floor, the the floor dropped down to below one. I think now it's like a one six one seven. I'm actually really. I think the project is cool. There's some really cool people involved with it, and uh, and yeah. yeah so, so if you guys want to buy it, you we, are. You're, you're hyper positive about this. <laughs> I, have to, I, think, I have to be. I have to be. Otherwise, yeah, I'm gonna we're going to go into well. The, the next part of the segment is kind of going to be kind of ruthless things. We're going to look at in the difference of the floor between where it was and where it's at. What could you have bought? <laughs> and so I think the the options we have are a, a submariner. You know, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, some some kind of vintage vehicle. Definitely. Uh, a first class trip to the Maldives. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> like round yeah, trip with, I, with Bay. A year you know, of rent with, uh, in most American cities. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, like seven to eight pairs of Rick Owens shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's, by the way, for everyone, that is how Oren measures everything in his life. Is how many Rick Owens jackets? Is, is, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's ROJs. How many Rick? Uh, how, how many, many Rick? Uh, how, yeah. how many ROJs? Is, is, <laughs> so listen, I actually, I'm, I'm excited about it. We'll see where it goes. But it's one of those things where I do think the project is cool. And I do think that, well, I know uh, that there's. There's not a ton of liquidity, but like there's not too many like asks, right? It would be a ten ETH floor with like fifteen buyers, right? Like it's yeah, and this and, and, and this is this is done in jest too, right? Because where it's like because like obviously the idea is hey, I'm gonna go buy this JPEG of a rock that I thought was a troll, I'm hold on to it for four years, and I'm gonna be a you know multimillionaire, and that's the art about this too. Is like we talked about this last time. This is a this is a dope JPEG. It's an interesting concept that this kind of thing takes off. It'll, it'll have value, and then if you're looking at anything on like a two week like floor time horizon, then you've got paper hands and like probably shouldn't be doing this. And so I just want to remind our listeners, like, don't do this. Like, don't check your open seat. Don't look at the floor. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, this is, this is purely just a segment. Money is a concept. Um, <laughs> With that know, said, et cetera. Can, can we, can we do, can I, as a sub tab, it's not there, but everyone can, I'm sure knows about this. So listens to us is that I'm actually really excited about the Coinbase NFT marketplace, right? Because we, t- I think we've talked about like, uh, you know, I joke around calling people normies. I'm a normie in the scheme of 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 crypto, right? Like, I think that I'm not that deep into it as right. much as I wish. How many wallets do you have? Total? I got, I don't know, a few of them. A few of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to find some seed phrases somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> Smart cat pre-roll <laughs> angle. Sorry. Pre-roll. <laughs> um, no, but I think that, like, is this, like, how do we bring people on board with this, right? Is there, like... And if uh, OpenSea has got like now three hundred thousand users or something in total, four hundred thousand, yeah. and but already most of them we got from we went to all the Apple stores in LA and <laughs> logged we put in the Stamis project <laughs> yeah. on OpenSea up on all the screens. It's got 50 most of views yesterday in was total now. That. No, but yeah. but but the Coinbase has a million people on their wait list already. 
right? And there's 67 million. Yeah, and there's only 300,000 users on OpenSea, period. Totally. There's 67 million Coinbase users. So let's say I'm not 100% sure that the average Joe is going to be interested in throwing five to 10 grand at JPEGs, but the ones that are. But they're going to buy a generative edition for a 0.1 ETH, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So everyone hold on to your NFTs. Diamond hands, baby. Diamond hands. Well, and, but you know, but then the banks are going to come for these next, obviously. It's like, oh, people are holding that. Are you, are you holding an asset over there? Excuse well, me, brother. So that's, excuse, can I hold me. that asset for you? Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, well, I think that, that, well, that becomes a really scary thing as well. I want to be candid about like people trying to like delineate the difference between securities and art. The fact that my art is going to sit inside my same account that all my other securities hypothetically sit in, I think is a pretty clear standing statement to regulators that That NFTs are a security, right? But then then we did see the SEC is paving the way for the the Bitcoin ETF, you know, uh, in the bull run mega cycle. (laughs) We're we're ready. Listen, this team is ready for the bull run mega cycle. We're we're super ready. Um, All right, let's move on. What do you have? We're hitting out. We're not even going to get to the tab yet. We got more segments to hit we're hitting the yo farm of the hour oh yeah, i mean i think sorry. we have to because like because like speak of the devil you know so so you guys have both gone all in mortgage the whole nine on the olympus dow <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah bro i'm just upset because so colin jumped in recently i jumped in a little bit earlier than him but i'm upset because i mentioned it to you guys like two months ago right i've had this homie um who's been trying to get me into this for months and then i find out that for six months people have been riding this for six months straight um, and currently has a 7,600% APY, right? I think that's where the current number's at. And it re- basically every like day, right? I think every day you... you, every, you I think it's every five days. Every five days you get to collect your interest and then it gets compounding. Um, but honestly, the Ponzinomics, so to speak, are pretty interesting of it. But there's actually a lot, like the mechanics behind it, and if you actually dive into it, are pretty fascinating in the way that they actually make it work because they do have this treasury... Of, of other cryptos that are sort of how it functions, if I'm correct. But but either way, Olympus Dow, I'm, it's it's the future well, for, of my and life. This is, and I feel that like I've been frustrated by this because I wanted to also join in the Olympus Dow, but I'm also, I've been talking to my accountants. I've been trying to like, <laughs> okay, we need to like get this straight, you know, to like, to because like crypto investing, like tax return season is going to be a nightmare because, you know, every single transaction and the price to US dollars and, and like how many transactions you do with NFTs is kind of a nightmare. So I was like, all right, cool. I want to invest through an LLC. If I'm going to DAOs, I want to, we, you know, my wife and I have like an investment LLC. We want to be able to can use for this, but there's no way to sign up, you know, without an ID or as a person to buy crypto. It's like extremely hard to do mm. it, you know, as a, as an entity and Coinbase has an option for it where they're like uh, Coinbase prime or whatever it is. Where it's like, oh yeah. Of course, you can sign up as your entity, and then it's like, well, you have to have a minimum of holdings in Coinbase to the tune of half a million dollars, which is like, <laughs> I'm like sick. Like that's the entry point. So the only, it's really just you know, to to be able to you know write off uh, or like to be able to offset your losses or be able to write off expenses related to the you know, like the the investments that you're making, you have to be playing with like half a million dollars, which kind of defeats this whole democratization of crypto thing in the first place. You know, but the rich yeah, get richer. I know. I'm, it, I'm frustrated. It, it, no. So, it, you're, yeah. so are you going to be able to write off the gas fees? Oh, yeah. Well, gas fees are 100% write-off. I'm, I, I'm not even joking. You, all, all your gas, too, is <laughs> right. you should be dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, Good. That makes sense. <laughs> it definitely makes That's sense. pretty reasonable. <laughs> that reminds me of um, I, and we don't need to get into this long story now, but I, as someone who at one point was trying to deposit a lot of shares of 
pretty liquid pink sheet stocks. Uh, <laughs> I had a, I remember talking it's the to. the pink sheet of the week. <laughs> no, 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 we got to be really careful with that one. Um, but I remember talking to uh, IBKR, Interactive Brokers, and talking to all these different custodians and banks and stuff. And they were just like, oh, yeah, if you like have, you know, if you hold a sizable balance of blue chips, we'll happily. Basically, it was like if I had 30 million of spy. Right, they would just like take whatever garbage I wanted to like shove into my account, and they were happy to custodian that for me. And it was one of those things. Right, so the rich get richer. For the layman, can you can you explain a bit about that? It's like, sure. Okay, blue chip. So pinks, blue chip. Custodian, so, okay, so here we go. So we'll do it, it like this. So we've got um, in uh, marketable securities stocks. Right. Let's let's say there's different levels, different tiers of exchanges, and different ways that they get qualified. Pink sheets is the lowest on OTC markets. What it really means is I don't think that they have to be uh, audited in SEC reporting. What that ends up happening with that is um, that you could, well, the reason it's dangerous is that anyone can make any statement about their earnings, right? Um, then they're not SEC audited. Dangerous. Um, <laughs> yeah, dangerous, quote unquote. But so pinks are unaudited. They're kind of dangerous. That's the lowest end. Um, and then what was, the, what was the other thing you wanted me to explain? Pink sheets. OTC markets. Custodians, custodians. They're taking your blue chip versus the other. Yeah, like, so yeah, a custodian, a custodian is someone like holds securities for you on their books, right? Um, this gets yeah, because complex. you can't just like hold, unless you have a pile of physical printouts anymore. Like someone needs to actually be in possession of these securities. Yes, right? and so like to, honestly, people don't realize any if you own any stock, right? You could call like the transfer agent, the TA, it's called the transfer agent that owns that equity, right? Or that that that, that, that holds basically the, the the cap table together, and you can ask them to give you. They'll send you a physical share cert if you want. It's a nightmare. You would not want it. It would be a waste of your time. But like you know, that's that's a physical share cert that comes. From the <laughs> but I, I have been a part of deals where that was a closing condition. <laughs> the physical printout. I'm not joking. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is why I think people call it just like people talk about just paper, right? Because when people talk about stocks as paper, is because they were originally just paper certs. And so people are like, oh, I can wallpaper my house with that stock. It's so worthless because they just have hundreds of these paper certificates that they might as well just use as wallpaper. Um, and then so blue chips are, I think it's more of like a colloquialism. Blue chips really just means, I think, like big real companies. Because obviously people talk about blue chips in the NFT space. Talk, You know, they're saying board apes yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, basically I was what I was trying to get at was that some banks are willing to take things, stock uh, for you and deposit them into your account so you can sell them if you give them enough real bigger business as well, and that just leans on this concept of the rich get richer, right? And that's what that's where I was trying to go with it. Yeah, yeah. Look, once once you get that five hundred k to put into Coinbase, just in holdings, not in your additional investments, that you wanted to go take into the Olympus DAO, you, you too can get richer, <laughs> bro. Yeah, you the too can five hundred foreign. I'm gonna give you a spreadsheet, bro, because five hundred k in the Olympus DAO in in twelve well, months. I'll say you can't even put. I need to get five hundred k into Coinbase to get then put any amount of money. In addition to that, inside the Olympus DAO, I want to be able you, bro, to write off losses or go expenses against that. The problem is you're overthinking, man. You're, uh, th that's the thing. It's a paralysis analysis scenario. You're missing out on 7,600% gains uh, every year because Com you're worried about write-offs. I really like to be doing that where those gains I could, uh, you know, are being taxed and you're able to write off expenses against those. But I thought it would be easier. I thought that was the kind of thing that would like I could not figure yet. out this weekend. Someone and will no, solve that. Not. Someone will solve that for us. Um, next uh, one, you though, do, you have just, something. You know, yeah, next one. We're going going in deeper into NFTs. This one is uh, this is from September, so in uh, it's from about like eight years ago in the crypto uh, Web three <laughs> world. Um, but it is about this uh, EIP three six six four update, um, which uh, is 
a update that happened on the Ethereum blockchain and uh, basically makes NFTs combinable. And so this is the idea that if I collect five different um, you know, athlete NFTs, I can make them into a team is a, is a good thing for it. Uh, basically an idea for that. Or I could uh, I can merge NFTs into one another. And this, this tab's really just an introduction into that concept when people say, okay, we're collecting JPEGs right now, but okay, let's think about how those JPEGs interact with each other. Now let's take that outside of art and look at, okay, I can use these tokens to reserve things or in loyalty programs, or we're kind of just securing these things on, in this kind of new structure. And I thought that's an interesting concept. And I actually have a sub tab here of the crypto jeweler because uh, I have this, I have an NFT called a, an Evol, uh, and it uh, the crypto jeweler was like making, you know, on blockchain jewelry for those uh, that that particular uh, NFT you know generative project. But also, when you kind of go to this page, you'll see they're starting to merge the physical and not like you can buy the NFT of a piece of jewelry that they are then going to physically. It gives you then the right to purchase the physical version. Uh, and you can kind of see some of this kind of happening here in real time of, you know, okay, cool, we're, we're just, we're doing some of these things, these concepts we're already familiar with, we're just securing it on the blockchain. I, I love it. Yeah, I think this is super cool. I mean, not to bring it back to that, my, 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 the, the, the floor check, but they're, what, one thing that, that they're doing with the, the Stamis, the, the Matisse stuff is the, the only way that you'll be able to actually have the, 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 the high enough file, res file to print out like a giant poster of it is by having the NFT to prove that you actually can, because otherwise the the you'll never be able to print a, a three by five, right? Let's unless you have the the correct file for it um, based on the res that you see. So anyway, I think this this is Colin and I when when Oren put this tab, Colin and I were just like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> this <laughs> crypto mean, the, jeweler. The visual of the kind of it's like all the diamonds, but it's a little bit it's a little bit like I don't know. There's some weird like digital artifacts happening. Looks super dope. I'm like something I've realized recently. I'm obsessed with like the intersection of physical and the internet in general, and and so now I think like what's happening with NFTs and crypto and just how it collides with the real world. Um, everything from like the physical version of the NFT to uh, just the real world stuff you can do redeeming the real world. Like th this is obviously uh, this category. I think is a big part of the future of all this stuff. And uh, there's so much there's so much to be done. Yeah, I mean, if you guys click around and get to the uh, the limited fund jewelry OpenSea page, uh, you got to click through. Um, I just think it's I, I mean I just think it's really fascinating because it's it's also cyclical, right? Like it all comes back to just people trying to flex, you know? Like this is like the idea of of these the, the way the NFTs took off was like this idea that like here's our digital version, the way that we flex in the metaverse is through like a, a JPEG and like already, we're already not even, Coinbase does not even have an NFT marketplace and we're already just like, and you can turn it into jewelry, right? And you can turn it into a, di <laughs> a diamond ring and you can flex that. I saw, this reminds me, it's a little different, but I saw someone at an NFT meetup where they had an Apple Watch encrusted in, in diamonds and they had their ape, they had their bored ape on the Apple Watch just hanging. Didn't like Jake Paul walk out to a fight like that with like an NFT? Like uh, hanging he off had the a, thing or he had a Pokemon or? card, which oh, he yeah. had like a half a million dollar Charizard, which is which yeah. is also in just his, a wild flex. Chain. Yeah, super flex. The, the, the original and, NFT. And so, kind of relate to that. We're getting this going to come back to the NFT show of the week, and this is just I do I do want to shout out. Look, uh, for you all that don't know, we had a really big uh, NFT launch here last week that we all spearheaded as a group. 
Uh, we were super involved with it. Went super well. Went off no hicks. So just shout out to all of us for completing the mechas, getting the mechas into the universe. What a grind uh, that was, know, man. It's great. It feels great well, to come out of the easy. closet uh, as the team behind um, the mechas. <laughs> so I want to show that. you know, So it's a completely fair project. Uh, all the allocations were just like completely above board. You know, all, all the rarity and stuff just went out completely to the community. We took care of really everybody involved. So if you want to just go cop, I do a floor sweep, you know, that it would really benefit the boys. That would be... Uh, yeah, give, give a quick rundown of what's going on with the Mechas, because I just, like, I saw that it was trending more or less. I saw good, bad, and ugly. What, what's happening with it? You want right, me James, to you hit that one? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. do my best, right? So what I've seen is, so this was, like, the most hyped NFT project uh, of the season, I guess, so to speak, right? The, the ever yet, right? I mean, this is sort of like, we're still very new to this space. So it was like the the most hyped NFT project in the space. Very expensive. I think I think they were like pre-mint or like when they were minted before pre-reveal going for like 15 ETH, like crazy numbers, like huge, huge, huge numbers. I, I read that they made $8 million in royalties from the launch just off, off the mint launch, which is just nutty. Um, what lo- what losers tracking money in USD? I don't know, but <laughs> <laughs> but eight million. Can, you can, know, can I, can I get that in Seoul, brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me in Matic what it is, or uh, um, or Ohm would be much more. Ohm. Uh, I was gonna Ohm. say Ohm. Yeah. Shout out to the Omies. What up, Omies? Um, <laughs> but so the the part of the big drama was. <laughs> And by the way, the, the, the Omis do call each other Omis. Um, <laughs> part of the big drama was that the artist that created them d- was having trouble getting paid and was not allocated a single uh, a single one of them. And so, like, he just like put them all on blast. He put the Mecca's whole, he put the whole team on blast, and he was like, "I yeah, created." And they were like responding in the comments, and yeah, <laughs> it, was they, dark. it was just like it, it, it's just it's just the whole thing. And then we had a bunch of whole rarity, like people buying this, and they're coming up with excuses after, like, "Oh, this guy was busy, so I minted this for him." And there's just like it's like a lot of a lot of cringe for a beautiful project. Yeah, well, I don't really know what's popping with it. So what I also think is really interesting is so. Colin's fascination is with the intersection of real life, right? With and like how real life gets opened through NFTs, right? For me, the, the one the thing that I'm most fascinated by is going to be the intersection of gaming and, and NFTs because that's just where I see the easiest on ramp for all of society to come into believing that NFTs are normal. Yeah, or I mean, also we even look at like ecom and NFTs. And like I don't, know, we're, we're looking at you know one of the things we're working on, you know, on the arrival side is we're like kind of really evaluating the future of like loyalty programs in in the, the you know in the just overall like obviously in dispensaries and things of that nature. And it's like okay that. 100% should be enabled by NFTs Uh-oh. and like airdrops and crypto and all that, like uh, assuming the correct level of adoption. Totally. Well, but how do you get that correct level of adoption, right? How do you get everyone uh, aware of it? And so I think like in the same way, I think that gaming is this like massive, is this behemoth that people don't realize is the biggest behemoth in the entertainment industry. Like like GTA 5 sold a billion dollars in two days. There's no movie on the planet. Like there's two movies in the history of all time that sold a billion dollars yeah. in their yeah. whole history, you know? Um, but so we my still point don't is, have the crypto infrastructure, right? To like to, to get to that to a point where it's like it, it's not it's like the uh, like doing this and like paying gas fees at this level, or like even doing this on Ethereum and stuff like that, just isn't doesn't make it's sense. It's not right? there. Like it's well, going to have to be one of these other ones. That's why I think people are betting on Solana or Tezos or like any of these others that they're going to be able to achieve that. Well, what you're going to see, I think, what is interesting is there are some great like Axie's Infinity is a good example of crypto gaming coming together that actually works. But I think that a lot of these NFT projects like are pitching these mechanics about a game, and they're like, and not only is some of them just like like getting rugged, like you 
you know, i.e. like their developers are just leaving and people are just stuck with nothing. But I think that when some of these games come out, the ones that do come out, they are going to be the type of shit that they teach you how to make when you're 12 in your first coding class. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like learning yeah, how to Yeah, like, well, this, and this is kind of, yeah, I think the loot community has gone through like quite the rigor around, around, around this too, in particular. You know, and then there's a lot of like, conversation around that where people are like, wait, you expect us to make some sort of functional game about that after this now? <laughs> like, you know how hard that is? <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. five lines of text and a neon green background. Yeah, yeah. And it's worth $100,000 because of it. Um, but yeah, so that's, um, that's, the, that's the intersection that I'm excited by. What else do we have? Is that... You know, I think, we, well, there's the uh, Money Twitter Cancel Hunger Games, now known as the Money Twitter Hunger Games, which I think we're going to change to Homie Intervention. <laughs> uh, I think everyone continues to feel bad about this. And so this one for homie intervention, yeah, the general concept is when you see homies just doing some stuff that you, you know, we really wish you could all sit down, you could get their friends and family together, you know, girlfriends, pets, people that have kind of come in out their lives, mentors, and sit them down in a circle and go, hey, what, what, what are you doing? You know, how, yeah, like, how, you got to get rid of the, you know, you got to get rid of the Kia. You know, or whatever, whatever the right thing is. Uh, but this, uh, in particular, I think the one we're seeing now is some of these people that uh, are just getting in on these NFT projects where, like, the art is 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 like just absolutely terrible. You know, like, are they there has no connection to like what what all of us who are kind of like doing some research like know is popping, and it's just like purely. And we see this with with one homie. Uh, who has an, he's deep in the non-fungible heroes? Let's call it, let's call it spade would, a spade. So this, we're going to really know if he's the guy uh, because I'm not going to tell him to listen to this. So hopefully we'll know in a few days if he blows me up for calling him out. Matt, this one's for you. So Matt is uh, <laughs> one of my closest friends, business partner on a project, and uh, I got Matt two nights ago to transfer five grand into uh, into his Gemini and jump in, and within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, he's got three non-fungible heroes, and he is blowing me up about the project. He's telling me, he's telling Yo, me and just, about the future. He's telling me about the artist behind it. And for the record, I think that you should buy what you think is cool. I just really don't think that that shit's cool at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time, every time a homie buys a non-fungible hero, it's like a crossbow bolt through the heart. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, but this is, we're gonna lose. Your homie is just gonna print, dude. Watch these non-fungible heroes be just like the only thing that's. Yeah. You gotta look at that. It's like yeah. So the the funny thing about that is like I don't think that they're cool. The artist behind them is like a Disney Pixar artist. There's like some real like character design stuff going on there and i think their whole shtick is with that background like they're they're telling their their discord which is i mean they only have like six thousand followers on twitter which is the first thing i said to them i was like look i don't know if you think it's cool cool but it doesn't look to be uh that that popping so like buy buy the one cool but like move on don't don't sink a bunch of money into this but their whole yeah, shtick is they're going to get into shows and stuff with the characters. So, so punk. This might go, go ahead. No, I say because because uh, because they're what they're. I think Netflix picked up a CryptoPunk show. I, I'm like pretty yeah. sure. I, I that makes sense. I believe it. They. I don't think they picked up the non fungible hero show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it, well, here's the, here's the problem. And this kind of comes back to this is also conceptual, where it's just like it, and this is it ties to lazy lions and like all the yeah. you know and the the mere you know Solana mere yeah. cast revenue. It's, it's like okay, it's some of these things are category. gonna pop. Yeah. You you might get money off of some of these because the it's community is active whack. and they and they're at least still, still whack. whack and and then and this does I had this conversation with a VC when someone found out that I was like in cannabis and it was a guy who had invested in a previous technology company that I was in and he was like like oh like you know you're gonna get rich off of that 
You know, it's like basically like, and his, his, uh, his entire thesis. And there's, I think a lot of people who I think like this is like, okay, well there's like, there's tech money and then there's other money, you know? And it's just like, okay, well, yeah, you got your money like in, in glass or, you know, like, in, yeah. in, like, okay, whatever. Like I got my money in technology, like we're changing the world. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and I, I get that. Like I was like, in, like it been in, inside that culture, but this is the same kind of thing where it's like, all right, cool. If you made, if you make a million dollars off lazy lions or you make a million dollars off punks, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and not, I get it. You still have the million dollars, but like I don't know. Like I feel like when you when you reincarnate, you reincarnate yeah. as a lesser being. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same three hundred ETH or, or whatever. Like, yeah, you're coming back as a Billy Goat, brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you, dude, is there a Billy Goat NFT? I feel like that might be one of the only <laughs> only animals. They're going weird. Yeah. Well, and the uh, this actually, I was gonna my my NFT show of the week was gonna be the Wicked Ape Bone Club uh, because. Uh, well, and they had just done a like Solana version that was penguins, because they were really like it was like in the Discord too, being like, "Wow, we're really like down to like there's not many animals left, like, and we needed something." <laughs> and so we did like bone penguins. But I was uh, I wanted to show the NFT because I'm actually having the like I'm really not I think ETH is is kind of about to go on a tear. I'm not trying to convert more money in just to buy more NFTs. I'm happy with my NFT collection, but these guys are really getting me on the Wicked Ape Bone Club because it's like, all right, cool. You if you had an ape, then you get a hound. But if you want to participate in the Wicked Ritual which you use to get the monster, then you have to have two hounds. And then you also have to have 300 wicked tokens, which you get for holding. And I'm like, oh, cool, I'm a holder. I got my token. So now I'm going to have to go buy a second hound. But because everyone's trying to buy hounds because they know the ritual's coming, now hounds are like, yeah, okay, starting to pop up. And I'm like, oh, man, so I'm going to have to go spend, you know, let's say 0.5 ETH to go complete this, do the wicked ritual to get my monster. And I'm like, I, this is not what I signed up for. Like, I, you know, I, you gotta, I, you- I should have... Uh, I should have got one punk. Like I'm already at the point where, like, as a as as a Genesis token holder, like I have all these opportunities that are afforded to me, but I'm not even making them because I'm like very busy in meetings and shit all day. And it's like, oh yeah, cool. Here's your like, you know, here's your couple hour like mint opening that like you can only find out about in the Discord. And I'm just like losing on the airdrops because like I just don't, I can't live in the Discord all day. And and this is like this is all guys. It, it's it's full it's full nerd. It's too much. You know, maybe we just need to go back to to moving that weight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the goal all way to make fall back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, it's it's almost impossible. All, all my Billy goats follow back. Uh, it's almost impossible <laughs> to keep up with any of it. But I do like sort of as you explain that, as ridiculous as that is, like I what I find really cool about that is that like there is no other like system in the United States or anywhere I don't think in which you can have mechanics in which you're like forcing basically royalty fee like like just the creators i don't know the, it's not larva labs right that's yeah. uh, that's 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 punks right but whoever it is is just like printing money off of this like cuz they just get a royalty well, and, and on actually, all of it and this is funny, and uh, I guess it makes sense if we're, I'm showing this NFT anyway. But what I liked about the Wicked Eight Bone Club when I bought one was it was like yeah, it was the most active community in NFTs at that point. It was like the biggest Discord or the biggest other. And I was like, oh, you know, this was yeah, again, it's 12 or 15 years ago in crypto times, so like maybe like 90 days. <laughs> and the uh, and but you know, and uh, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, most active community. That makes sense. I'm gonna buy into some some of these. I'm, I'm gonna buy into this. But then they had a point because people were kind of complaining, and there was ups and downs kind of the NFT space. And the, and the kind of founder who was in there was like, okay. I understand what you guys want now. Everyone here, all they care about is the floor. And so guess what? I'm repositioning this entire project and my entire, the entire purpose of this, he like has this in the Discord, is to make money for holders. Like that's all we are doing is the entire thing we're focused on. And here's the roadmap. And it was like, get verified on OpenSea. Like drop this airdrop. Drop that airdrop. Collaboration on Soul only you can access. Like do this with this, with these people that like, and every one of these is going to raise the price of these things. And to be, and they've, 
over the, like the 30 days since he said that that's the goal, they just fucking executed. Like f- floor raised, been airdropped a bunch of stuff that's worth a whole bunch of ETH. And it's just like relentless nonstop. And then they're dumping a bunch of that money they're getting off this gas into all the things in the roadmap. And like, and you're just like, oh, these guys are just basically like, all right, cool. If that's what you guys want, we're going to execute it. And I think that's sick. Yes, I'll give them that. For, for sure, that's sick. Also, I, I, we're going to see... Let's let's uh, remind me of this in twelve months. I really want to see how regulators feel about like weird distribution of tokens to holders of art and the, the, yeah. <laughs> what. Well, I think the, where they're, this all I mean, goes. they're they're going to have a whole like it's going to be a whole separate regulatory body just for Genesis token holders. Actually, really quick, it will it will be the first DAO. And just to wrap it up, actually, Orin, why don't you explain to people what a Genesis token is? Because I think that you've referenced it a they lot. Know. <laughs> you know, I'm saying like they know if you're listening to this pod, you know what Genesis token is. I don't know if there's anyone in crypto who doesn't kind of have like a real intimate uh, understanding of what being a Genesis token holder is. So I'm just gonna skip through that. Right. Uh, yeah. What? Yeah. I think that's it, right? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like what we else? had we had a bit more structure this time. I think that's all the tabs for today. Um, Do we want to? Uh, we could we could have a, a last minute James explains. You want to throw in a James <laughs> Explains? All right. All right. Yeah, 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 look all right. at him. He's, all right, like, he's like, all right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Colin, you're going to appreciate this one. Kubernetes. <laughs> Kubernetes? That's my favorite ice cream store. Kubernetes has <laughs> a sick, a sick uh, banana flambe flavored ice cream. It's on Venice. If you go over to Venice, it's next to Salt and Straw. It's a strong competitor of theirs, but phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal soft serve. It's a soft serve specifically. Is it's actually is the, it's actually so it's named. It's the flavor, and then the netties are what they sprinkle on top. Yeah, oh, sorry. Can I get you some netties? Yeah, yeah. can you throw some netties on my Cooper? I, yeah, yeah. So how close was I? What what is Cooper netties? Uh, yeah, I don't, it was spot on. I don't know if we need anymore. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I guess that wraps it up, right? I guess yeah. Well, for the educational component, Colin, you want to explain what Kubernetes is for the uh, no, for the people? Uh, it's a. I mean, all right. I'm gonna pull up the actual definition. So <laughs> no, no, no. It has, to be, it has to be off dome. If we ain't doing no, off this dome, is a, this is uh, what James explains. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a. It's It's an open source program. It's a framework. It's a. It's a. It's a ridiculous software. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it equips. Uh, it equips infrastructure on the internet to scale. If you are Ooh, making right. apps or you're making the other, for if you like, utilize this infrastructure system, you can scale uh, effectively. For like massive, massive scale. Yeah. Uh, and like when you when you say like, because in like building it requires like a bunch of extra work and stuff to go in. So when people are developing, especially if you're in like seed phase and you're like, yeah, well, you know, like, well, we're using Kubernetes. Yeah. It's like, it's like okay, oh, yeah, we're, we're preparing for okay. for massive so, yeah. usage <laughs> and we, we have to invest that those you know those, those engineer hours too. Take uh, take notes for your decks, every listeners. That all you got to do is say that you're 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 using Kubernetes, and that's how you yeah. say you get the big checks. All, also, a small a regional ice cream franchise. <laughs> <laughs> Just Kubernetes, TensorFlow, you know, yeah, yeah, genetic algorithms. Uh, yeah, this is this is your pitch deck. Is how you get money, boys. There we go. I got two percent right, cool. left on the MacBook. So, that's all right. Well, night. I guess that's it. Stay rich, money Twitter. Stay rich.